Joshua chapter 8, and last week we looked at the story of Achan, a very sad story where he took of the accursed thing, and as a result of him taking the, of the accursed thing, when they originally went to battle uh, against these people, they ended up losing and um, humiliating defeat, but this was something that needed to happen because they were in sin, and so now they've gotten the sin out of the camp, they've taken care of Achan and his family, and Hang on, I got a sneeze coming all of a sudden. Right, I think I got rid of it there. Man, I almost sneezed. And so now uh, we're about to make another attempt at the city. And the title of it is The Forgotten City of AE or AI. I'm not even sure the uh, actual pronunciation of it. But this city is one that the Bible only really refers to it here in the book of Joshua. There might be one other reference to this battle. Um, and I looked, it up, I looked up online just trying to find out if there's any history or anything about the city and there's really nothing anything you could anything i was finding was just reference to this story in the bible so we really don't know much about these people in fact the king that's even mentioned in here that they killed they didn't even give the name of the king and it's interesting because there's a lot of cities that they took out that we know a lot about those or or, or uh, enemies that they fought where we know a great deal about them we know a lot of the names of the people and there's a reason for that. And um, I'm going to cover that when we get to the end of this. And I'm going to show you how the fact that we do not really know anything about this city is a good thing and is a result of them obeying God like they were supposed to. And the cities that we know a lot more about, the kings that we know more about, we know about them because they were not obedient to God and there were really bad results because of that. So let's go ahead and start reading uh, in verse 1. And in this story too, you know, we're, we're going to see what I think is an impressive battle strategy. I like what they did here. But we want to make sure we understand that the reason they lost last time was not because of a bad battle strategy. It was because of sin. And the reason they won this time was not because of a good battle strategy. Even though I like reading this, I think it's pretty impressive. But it's because God was on their side. That's always why they won battle. So verse 1 says, and the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear not, neither be thou dismayed. Take all the people of war with thee, and arise, and go up to Ai. And see, I have given into thy hand the king of Ai and his people, and his city, and his, and his land. So we see God speaking the same way he did about Jericho before they, he goes and fights it. He says, I've already given it to you. Now, we didn't see that the last time. Before he went and fought them, last time, we don't see God speaking to Joshua. We don't see God promising him that the city's him. We just see Joshua going and doing it. And again, I think that's one of the things they were missing in the last battle was instruction from God. I think if Joshua would have went to God and said, hey, what do you think about this? God would have said, don't even try. You can't stand against them. You've got sin in the camp. And uh, that's why you know we should always be checking with God on things, acknowledging Him before we act. You know, we don't need to uh, otherwise... I'd rather find out before I get myself in trouble that I've got a problem. So verse 2 says, Now shall do to Ai and her king as thou didst unto Jericho and her king, only the spoil thereof and the cattle thereof shall ye take for a prey unto yourselves, lay thee in ambush for the city behind it. So remember, the first city, that was God's. The first, that Everything they took then, it belonged to God. And Achan got greedy and if he'd have just waited, if he'd have been obedient for one battle, you know what? He could have got his stuff in the next battle. Now, 
God's gotten what he wanted. Now he's like, all right, you go take them. This time it's yours. And that's typically how it went from then on out. But God always wants the first. So Achan missed out. Now all Achan has is a rotting corpse under a grave of stones. That's what he has as a result of his disobedience. So Joshua arose and all the people of war to go up against Ai. And Joshua chose out 30,000 mighty men of valor and sent them away by night. And he commanded them, saying, Behold, ye shall lie in wait against the city, even behind the city. Go not very far from the city, but be ye all ready. And I and all the people that were with me will approach unto the city, and it shall come to pass when they come out against us, as at the first, that we will flee before them. For they will not come after us till we have drawn them from the city. For they will say they flee before us as at the first. Therefore, we will flee before them. And this was, this was smart because remember what happened last time they went to battle against them? They took off running. They fled. They looked like cowards. Thirty-some men died as a result of it. So now they're going to try again. So when they run again, just like last time, these guys are going to get all arrogant and careless thinking, all right, just like we took care of them last time, we're taking care of them this time too, the same way. And that, But turns out, you know, they had a plan while they're drawing the men away from the city, they're sending another group in from the other side and they're going to take care of the city. So this was really smart. So this, verse 7, says, Then ye shall rise up from the ambush and seize upon the city, for the Lord your God will deliver it into your hand. And it shall be, when ye have taken the city, that ye shall set the city on fire, according to the commandment of the Lord, shall ye do, see I have commanded you. And it, you know, it might seem like a waste to burn this city, because they're killing everybody. And wouldn't it make sense to just leave the city standing and you know use their houses and all that kind of stuff? But no, God wanted them to burn it, and I believe there's a very good reason. And uh, we'll say more about that when we get to the end of the chapter. But verse 9 says, Joshua therefore sent them forth, and they went to lie in ambush and abode between Bethel and Ai on the west side of Ai. But Joshua lodged that night among the people. And Joshua rose up early in the morning and numbered the people and went up, he and the elders of Israel before the people of Ai. And all the people, even the people of war that were with him, went up and drew nigh and came before the city and pitched on the north side of Ai. Now there was a valley between them and Ai. And he took about 5,000 men and set them to lie in ambush between Bethel and Ai on the west side of the city. And when they had set the people, even all the host that was on the north of the city and their liars and wait on the west of the city, Joshua went that night into the midst of the valley. Now, why did he do that there? They're going down in the low part so those guys would think they had it made because they had the high ground, and that's an automatic win. Some of you get that reference. That was very carnal, but I couldn't resist. But anyway, and if you didn't get it, that's just because you're more spiritual than the rest of us. But anyway, and Joshua and all Israel made as if they were beaten before them and fled by the way of the wilderness, and all the people that were in Ai were called together to pursue after them, and they pursued after Joshua and were drawn away from the city. And there was not a man left in Ai or Bethel. And they went not out after Israel. And they left the city open and pursued after Israel. So these guys did. I think they obviously got way too cocky after that last victory. And they didn't have the sense. They did, these guys didn't have the sense to know that last time, the reason they won was because God was judging Israel. 
And they don't have the sense to know that this time God's judging them. So, I mean, this really was pretty foolish on them to just leave the city wide open. I mean, uh, but that's what happened. And it says, And the Lord said unto Joshua, Stretch out the spear that is in thine hand toward Ai, for I will give it into thine hand. And Joshua stretched out the spear that he had in his hand toward the city. Now, picture Joshua standing there with a stretched out spear while the fighting is going on. I thought about to illustrate you know, having one of the men come, like, stand and hold that music stand out the whole time and just see. That'll get hard after a while, holding the spear out like that. But when, you, and when he's doing this, they're having victory. Now, this probably triggered a memory for Joshua. Can anybody think of the memory that might have been triggered for Joshua when this is going on? Aaron and her, right. Yes, in uh, Joshua, or, um, in Exodus chapter 17, we, don't have, we won't have to turn there. But Acts uh, chapter 17, verse 8, they had that battle going on. And there Moses lifted up his hands. But then the Bible says his hands became heavy. He got tired after holding up for a while. And Aaron and Hur had to hold his arms up. And, and while he was doing that, Joshua was fighting the battle. And you know what? I, I can just picture it in my head. Joshua, who was leading that battle when Moses was up there, you know, they're out there. They could see Moses standing there. And while his arms are up in the air, they're fighting, they're prevailing, but then they go down and all of a sudden they're losing the battle. And, you know, and, and Joshua is seeing that, you know, and he's seeing his guys, you know, getting beat as the hands go down. But then he saw how Aaron and her lifted his hands up and then they got the victory again. And, you know, what a you know, memory that must have been for him. And I imagine that motivated him to hold that spear out. Now, I don't know. The Bible doesn't say I'm, he might have been allowed to switch hands, you know, because, you know, that's just one hand because we don't see anybody. Uh, helping hold his arm up here. But but either way, you know, I like to think that in a moment like that when a battle's going on, if all you had to do to make the battle work is just stand there like that, I mean, that would be some pretty good motivation. I like to think I could do that for a while. But, but either way, we just see a similar thing happening. And I think this would be a reminder, too, for the people of Israel who knew the story of what had happened in the previous generation to see that this is the same God. God is still with us. God's still doing these miracles. He's still doing these same things. Obviously, it's a little bit different here. Uh, and that's, and we've see, seen examples of that before where God would often do similar miracles, but you know, maybe in a little different way, making sure we wouldn't think it was about the methodology, but about the God who did it. God was hoping that these would send a message to us so we wouldn't be like a lot of people in the IFB today that are trying to recreate and conjure up things from the past by dressing old-fashioned, you know, having a specific type of music and all these things, thinking that will conjure up revival. Hey, it's the same God, same power, but, you know, he might, he might do it a little bit different today. That's just typically how God works. It's just kind of in his nature. But verse 19 says, And the ambush arose quickly out of their place, and they ran as soon as he stretched out his hand, and they entered into the city and took it and hasted and set the city on fire. And when the men of Ai looked behind them, they saw and behold, the smoke of the city ascended up to heaven and they had no power to flee this way or that way. And the people that fled to the wilderness turned back upon their pursuers. And Joshua and all Israel saw that the ambush had taken the city and that the smoke of the city ascended and they turned again and slew the men of AI. So it was kind of like, you know, they turn around, just looked at him, 
pretty much laughed at him. Hey, we were faking when we were acting scared. Now you're going to get it. And they took care of business. It says, and the other issued out of the city against them. So they were in the midst of Israel, some on this side and some on that side. And they smote them so that they let none of them remain or escape. And the king of Ai, they took alive and brought him to Joshua. And it came to pass when Israel had made an end of slaying all the inhabitants of Ai in the, in the field, in the wilderness, when they chased them. And when they were all fallen on the edge of the sword until they were consumed, that all the Israelites returned to Ai and smote it with the edge of the sword. And so it was that all that fell that day, both men and women, were 12,000, even all the men of Ai. So notice another total destruction of the people again, just like what we saw in uh, Jericho. And we need to keep these things in mind because um, you know, Jericho was a city that they never had any more problems with again. The only problem they ever really had in Jericho was the man who tried to rebuild the city, you know, lost his firstborn, just like God prophesied. But they never had any trouble from those people because they completely wiped them out. With Ai, we never hear about them again. They never have another problem with them forever. Why? Because they obeyed God and there was never an issue again. We're going to see later when we get into the book that they didn't always do it this way. And we're going to take special note of the people that they did not completely destroy. And we're going to know who all those people are. We're going to, when we start looking at these people, you're going to recognize these names. You're going to recognize these cities. And it's going to remind you of stories later in the Bible where there were major battles that they fought, battles that they lost, where there was a great deal of suffering. Thousands of the people of Israel, they would die. Why? <clears throat> because... They didn't completely obey God later in the book. So uh, keep all these things in mind. But so far, they're doing really good. They were obedient in Jericho. One guy messed up, took of the accursed thing. They lost the battle because of that. But then God revealed it. They took care of him. They judged him. Now they go, they fight another battle. Completely obey at this time. We never hear about the city again. And that was, a good, that was exactly what was supposed to happen. So it says in verse 26, For Joshua drew not his hand back wherewith he stretched out the spear until he had utterly destroyed all the inhabitants of Ai. So, uh, verse 27, only the cattle and the spoil of the city Israel took for a prey unto themselves according to the word of the Lord which he commanded Joshua. So that uh, the spoil of the city, it looks like all they took uh, based on what, the way it says it here, it doesn't look like they took any things but mainly just animals. Okay? Now, why wouldn't they be allowed to take the things? You know, why can't they take the gold, the silver, all these other things? They're just taking animals. Why would that be okay and not the stuff? Well, we'll say more about that in a little bit too, but keep that in mind. Because pretty much everything gets destroyed. All the people get destroyed. Only animals do they get to keep for a spoil. So, uh, verse 28, And Joshua burnt Ai and made it in heap forever, even a desolation Unto this day. So this is another cursed city that they did not need to rebuild. And verse 29. In fact, uh, when I was reading about the history of this, they were uh, some of the things I was reading was saying where they believed the location was for today. And it's known as like a tell something. And in Israel, there's a lot of tell this, tell that. And a tell is basically a hill where there used to be a city. 
there. You know, so though, it, but just over time, everything just gets covered with dirt, and it just looks like a, you know, just kind of a random hill. So if you're, if, whenever you're driving around out there in Israel, there's, you know, there's some mountains out there, but there's also some really flat areas where you'll just see kind of an abnormal, you know, hill that's there. And when they said, whenever you see something like that, that's ruins of an ancient city, and you know, that's just never been excavated. And I've always wanted to just go out there with a shovel and start digging and see what I could find. But it's like a, you know, excavating out there is like a huge deal and it costs a ton of money. There's so much stuff they could find out there, but they've got a process for it and it's so expensive. Things just sit out there and never really get explored. But, you know, that really has nothing to do with the Bible. But that's pretty much what that city is today. It's just a heap still. And... Uh, some things we're even saying, too, that, you know, it's questionable whether or not the city ever really existed, you know, because really the only record we have of it is the Bible. But and understand that's enough for us right there. But again, the fact that we don't that history does not know anything about the city outside the Bible is a result of Israel doing what they were supposed to do of them being obedient. This was a good thing that the memory of this place got completely wiped out. And so, in verse 29, it says, And the king of Ai, he hanged on a tree until eventide, and as soon as the sun was down, Joshua commanded that, this, that they should take his carcass down from the tree and cast it at the entering of the gate of the city and raise thereon a great heap of stones that remaineth unto this day. So, this city, it just kind of became like a ghost town that would be a reminder to all the other enemies of God that might come along that, hey, this is what's coming for you. This is what we are going to do to you. So it says, Then Joshua built an altar unto the Lord God of Israel in Mount Ebal. And as Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded the children of Israel, as it is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of whole stones, over which no man hath lifted up any iron, and they offered thereon burnt offerings unto the Lord, and sacrificed peace offerings. And he wrote there upon the stones a copy of the law of Moses, and he wrote in the presence of the children of Israel. And so I'm guessing probably what he actually wrote on the stones would have been the Ten Commandments. He probably uh, did that again. And it says, And all Israel and their elders and officers and their judges stood on this side, the ark and on that side before the priests, the Levites, which bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, as well as the stranger, as he that was born among them, half of them over against Mount Gerizim and half of them over against Mount Ebal, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded before that they should bless the people of Israel. And afterward, he read all the words of the law, the blessings and cursings, according to all that is written in the book of the law, there was not a word of all that Moses commanded, which Joshua read not before all the congregation of Israel with the women and the little ones and the strangers that were conversant among them. So right now, and it's important we understand this too. I mean, this is very significant when Joshua gets up and literally reads the entire law to them. I don't know how long this would have taken, but he gets up in front of the entire congregation and out loud, he reads the entire law. It wasn't like it is today where they could, you know, give out copies to everybody. This wasn't something everybody had. You couldn't look it up on the Internet and all the things that we can do today, you know. But this was something that they did. And he did. 
he got up there and out loud, he's reading this law. You know why? He's doing this because this was the law of the land. This was something they were all going to be required to follow as a people. If they didn't like it, they could go cross over Jordan and they could go back to Egypt or they could go join up with the Canaanites only to get defeated by them later on. This was the law. They had no choice. This was not America. This was not a democracy. This wasn't something where they were going to get to vote on laws and pick on all, pick, you know, pick what they wanted and uh, have amendments and change these things. No, this was the law of God. And so when Joshua got up there and he read it, understand he was doing, they were doing this as a nation. And when all of these people, when all of these families, when they agreed to it, when they stayed with Joshua, they were consenting to the law. They were agreeing to the law for themselves and for all the future generations. And so everyone who's born later, you know what? Whether they like the law or not, they got to follow it. Whether they like it or not, this is what they've got to do. And if they don't like it, they can be cut off from among the people. And so this was a very big deal, what we're seeing going on here that day. Because this is Joshua as the leader of this nation publicly reminding everyone what the law of the land was so nobody complete ignorance. Well, I didn't know we weren't supposed to blaspheme. I didn't know we weren't supposed to do whatever. No, they knew. You do these things, you die, they were accountable. And, and even today, you know, we do things, uh, you know, our nation does things in a less effective way and we're all kind of held to these things. For example, you know, every year the IRS, they put out like new tax codes and, uh, or, and, or the state puts out new laws for driving and all those things. Now, you know what? All they have to do whenever they put out a new law is, I mean, they'll put it in like the newspaper. They'll publish it in certain places, websites or whatever. And did you know we're all accountable to it whether we see it or not? You know, and a lot of times things that we were able to do last year, we're not able to do this year. And then even if we don't know, if we get busted, we can get in trouble for it. That stinks. But, you know, it's kind of, I guess it's our responsibility to pay attention to what our leaders are doing. You say, why are our leaders doing such bad things these days? Because none of us are paying attention to what they're doing. And I think they want it that way. But, you know, Joshua didn't do it that way. Joshua made sure everybody knew. And, you know, a lot of times if it is something significant, really important, they'll do something to get it, you know, kind of get the word out there. And I think they should do that. But that's what he's doing here because... Nobody, want, nobody was going to be able to plead ignorance. So, uh, and let's take a look at something that Joshua would have read that day. After they utterly destroyed these people, 12,000 people in this city, after they utterly destroyed them, killed every one of them, they would have read this. In Deuteronomy 20, verse 15, it says, Thus shalt thou do unto all the cities which are very far off from thee, which are not of the cities of these nations. But of the cities of these people, which the Lord thy God doth give thee for an inheritance, thou shalt save alive nothing that breatheth. But thou shalt utterly destroy them, namely the Hittites and the Amorites, the Canaanites and the Perizzites, the Hivites and the Jebusites, as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee, that they teach you not to do after all their abominations which they have done unto their gods, so should ye sin against the Lord your God. So this was what they were supposed to do. Joshua has just read this to the entire congregation. And, you know, and they probably felt pretty good after he read this part because they're like, yeah, we did that one. You know, just like you all love when I preach against sins that you don't do. You know, but it's like when it's something that we're guilty of, it's like, uh, 
And why does he have to preach that? But, you know, they probably had a pretty good feeling here. But the problem is, you know what? They soon forgot about it. You know, they're like, oh, you know, we got that one down. And then they got careless. And later on, they did not completely follow this. And as a result of them not completely following it, you know what happened? They were taught to do after their abominations. And just as God wanted done unto them, God ended up doing that to Israel because of these very things. Now, I'm not going to repeat what I covered, I think it was two weeks ago, when I talked a lot about you know, why God would have them utterly destroy the cities. I think it was in Joshua chapter 6, so if you weren't here for that one, uh, you need to listen to that message. It goes along with what I'm going to talk about here, but I want to show some different things here to help us understand the whole purpose of just completely wiping out these cities. Because what's interesting about these cities that were utterly destroyed is, again, we know almost nothing about them. And uh, you know, it didn't even give the name of the king that they hung. The other cities that Israel fights later, we know a lot about them. You know, these cities, they didn't kill everyone. And we end up learning much about those cities because Israel copied many of their abominable practices. We've got people today, there's weird groups, weird religions today. There's weird, uh, there's a lot of, you know, just weird pagan people that are out there. And you know what they like to do? They like to brag about all their, you know, their ancient ways and how this has been going on for centuries and millennia. And, and so, you know, and sometimes it is a fact and they will go and they'll find these, this history that goes way back. And it just kind of strengthens them in whatever foolishness that they're caught up into, whatever wickedness they're caught up into. And, you know, the truth is, that stuff should have been wiped out. If it had been wiped out, a lot of these people probably wouldn't be doing that kind of stuff today. And the things that were going on in Canaan, God never wanted those things ever going on in Israel. So God wanted these people wiped out to make sure these things never resurfaced. And so... Um, I think the Bible doesn't say much because Israel didn't know much. And that was how it was supposed to be. When we go back and we read Genesis, if you remember when we were going through the book of Genesis, we were kind of, uh, you know, I was pointing out as we would tell the different stories in there about all these people that we're hearing about. The Bible focused a lot of attention on them because they were going to play a role in Israel's history later. Because the book of Genesis, it was given to Israel right when, right before Joshua took over and they went into the promised land. And so it was like, uh, you know, Moses was giving them a little short history of the people that they were about to go after. So the thing is, after they go into these cities, when they completely obeyed God like they were supposed to and utterly destroyed them, they don't tell us hardly anything about these people in these places. You know why? Because they didn't know anything. And that's good. That was how it was supposed to be. Because the, and, and the thing is, you know, we can only assume, only our imagination can tell us what kind of abominations and what kind of things went on in Jericho. And what kind of things went on in Ai. There's no doubt there were probably some horrible practices that went on. We can definitely get an idea of some of the things that went on we'll, uh, from uh, Leviticus. Chapter 20, we'll go there in a little bit, where it specifically mentions some of those things. But, you know, who knows? I mean, there might have been all kinds of weird, crazy, demonic gods and stuff that they were worshiping 
that maybe did have some kind of powers and things. I mean, we see they were doing some pretty crazy stuff in Egypt during Moses' day. You know, how do we know these people didn't have some kind of crazy demonic powers and stuff? And you know what? God didn't want them looking into those things. God didn't want them learning those things. And so they did. They successfully wiped these people out. And now we don't really know anything about it. But let's go, let's go ahead and keep reading. Uh, so in verse 33, it says, And all Israel and their elders and officers and their judges stood on this side, the ark, and on that side before the priests, the Levites, which bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, as well as the stranger, uh, as he that was born among them, half of them over against Mount Gerizim and half of them over against Mount Ebal, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded before that they should bless the people of Israel. And afterwards, he read all the laws, the blessings and the cursings, according to all those written. Uh, I already covered that part. What am I doing that again for? So go to uh, Romans 16. I was in the wrong passage. I thought I already read that. Romans 16 in verse 19. Notice this. Because again, I think the reason the Bible does not say much is because Israel didn't know much. When we know about people, when we learn about groups, it teaches us things. It teaches us what to do. And now here's a good example. In Romans 16 verse 19, it says, For your obedience is come abroad unto all men. I am glad therefore on your behalf, but yet I would have you be wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. So people knew about this these Romans that were doing good, and it was, you know, motivation for them to do good. But then he goes on and says, You know what? I want you to be uh, wise concerning that which is good, but I want you to be simple concerning evil. You know, there are some things we are better off not knowing about. I mean, some of you, you'd love it if you could find out exactly what was going on in Jericho. You could find out what was going on in AI and think places like that. So maybe you could learn some superpowers. You know, so you could figure out how to turn staffs into snakes like they did in Egypt and things like that. People get caught up in that stuff. It, people really do. It, there's a reason we've got all these weird, uh, just occultic type movies and things that are out there today. Because there's a great deal of interest in those things. And a lot of that stuff is just a bunch of junk, but some of it's real. Some of that stuff is real and it is, it's, it's dangerous. And, and so God doesn't want us knowing about those things. You will not be better off knowing those things. And I remember when I was a teenager too, I, I, I you know, there was a curiosity in me when it came to a lot of those things. And you, you want to know what developed a lot of curiosity for some of the uh, evil things that are out there for me. It was chick publications. I would read those chick tracks all the time. And I would, uh, you know, they were, they were always referring to the book Lucifer Dethroned by Bill Schnoblin. They were always talking about a lot of the witchcraft stuff. And you know, when as a kid, you like scary movies and all that. But then in Chick Tracks, it's talking about the real stuff. And so that just made it more interesting to me. And I, and I remember eventually I ordered the book uh, Lucifer Dethroned, which that book is whacked out, freaky, weird. Probably shouldn't even be naming these things. Now y'all going to go read them. But, but the thing is, uh, you know, and I, I'd get some of those comic books and things, and it just, it did, it, it kind of made me interested in those things, but thankfully I had enough of a fear of God that I never went looking outside of Christian resources on those things. You know, I, I'd gotten some books on demonology uh, that, you know, all by Christians, but, you know, I, and I would read a lot of those things because I was curious, 
But, you know, back then, I don't even, you know, the internet was just coming around. I wasn't on the internet at all or anything like that. But I'll never forget, I was at Walden Bookstore in the Peru Mall. Uh, it's not there anymore, but I remember I was in that bookstore, and right next to the religious section in the books, they had, I forgot what the category was, but uh, like New Age. I think it was like New Age stuff. And I remember I saw there, like they had an actual book on witchcraft. And it just freaked me out so bad. <laughs> but Because I remember too just thinking, they're literally selling books on witchcraft here, which just, it blew my mind that they did. There were several different books on witchcraft. And, I'm, and I remember too as a teenager looking at that and just, a part of me was a little curious. Because, you know, you, do, you wonder about these things. But thankfully, again, I had enough fear of God. I never cracked one of those things open. I, ne- I never did. But every time I'd go in that bookstore, it was right next to the religious section. I would always kind of see that. Just I would kind of wonder. And let me tell you, it's real easy for us to get curious about the wickedness that's out there, especially young people. Okay? You know, I've lived long enough now that, you know, frankly, I'm just not as curious about some things anymore. I've learned I'm through experience, there's things I just rather not know. And, you know, today, you know, as a 40 year old, um, you know, I would not be near as tempted. In fact, you know, at least back then too, I would have had to go and actually buy it. I would have been embarrassed. Now I can go on the internet. I can find out whatever I want and nobody would know, but you know, I'm, I'm not curious, but folks, you got to better watch it with your kids because it's real easy for young people to get curious about these things. But folks, these things will mess you up. It will mess you up learning these things. I could, I was just telling somebody the other day after I was talking to, I was telling some horror stories I heard at youth conferences and things growing up. And I won't tell those stories from the pulpit because they were probably baloney. But let me tell you, they scared me to death. <laughs> they, I used, they used to scare us to death with that stuff. And I think that I'm kind of glad they did because that's probably one of the reasons I never cracked over one of those books, even though there was a part of me that was curious. But I say all that to say that you know, we have got to do what we ever we can do. And it's hard in this world where information is so readily available to maintain our innocence on these things and to not look at these things. Knowledge of these things will mess you up. Okay. Did Eve, did Adam and Eve get better off when they received the knowledge of good and evil or did they plunge the whole human race into death and destruction? Folks, nobody gets better off learning evil. That is a lie of the devil. You want to know probably why we get curious about those things? I think we inherited it from Eve. That's what I think. And we've got to have enough faith, enough wisdom to say, no, I don't want to know about these things. I want to be ignorant concerning these things. And, but I, do, I think probably uh, one of the most disgusting things that we see Israel do in their history is sacrifice their children to Molech, which the Bible does not describe exactly what that was like you'll hear it referred to passing through the fire and things like that the bible does not give an us a, a clear description of what they did but you know what history does tell us a little bit about molech you know why because they never wiped those people out completely and according to things i've read what they they would do is they had that statue uh, for, I, I can't remember the description of it exactly but it had its arms out and they would build a fire into that thing and it would heat it up and they would put the children in the arms of that section, just burn their kids to death. Folks, I mean, I can't imagine anything more horrific and barbaric, and God's people did that. 
Israel did that. It says in Deuteronomy 32.32, so this is hundreds of years later, Okay, it, it takes sometimes centuries before these things really come back. The disobedience would really come back to haunt Israel. It says, because of all the evil of the children of Israel and of the children of Judah, which they have done to provoke me to anger, they, their kings, their princes, their priests, and their prophets, and the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and they have turned unto me the back and not the face, though I taught them, rising up early and teaching them, yet have they not hearkened to receive instruction. But they set their abominations in the house, which is called by my name, to defile it. And they built the high places of Baal, which are in the valley of the son of Hinnom, to cause their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire unto Moloch, which I commanded them not, neither came it into my mind that they should do this abomination to cause Judah to sin. God said, that never even came into my mind to do something like that. But you know what? They did it. Now, where did they get this? Where did they get the idea to burn their children to an idol. Who comes up with something like that? Who thinks of something like that? Well, they learned it from somewhere. You know why? Because they never completely got it out of the land. It says in Leviticus 20, verse 1, The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Again thou shalt say to the children of Israel, Whosoever he be the children of Israel, or of the strangers that sojourn in Israel, that giveth any of his seed unto Moloch, he shall surely be put to death, the people of the land shall stone him with stones and I will set my face against that man and will cut him off amongst the people because he hath given of a seed unto Moloch to defile my sanctuary and to profane my holy name. And if the people of the land do in any ways hide their eyes from the man when he giveth of a seed unto Moloch and kill him not, then I will set my face against that man and against his family and will cut him off and all that go a-whoring after him to commit whoredom with Molech from among their people, and the soul that turneth after such as have familiar spirits and after wizards to go a-whoring after them, I will even set my face against that soul, will cut him off from among the people. Sanctify yourselves therefore, and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. So God said, I, you kill anyone that does it. If you hide your face from the one that does it, I'll kill you. You know why? Because God didn't even want the knowledge of these things in their land. But you know what? Because they never utterly wiped these people out, Israel, they knew about this. This was something they did have knowledge of. And so when they would get backslidden, you know what they did? They participated in this horrible, horrible practice. And that star of, uh, that star of Remphan and all that, that's all connected to Moloch there. I think in the Old Testament it refers to Moloch and then and the New Testament refers to Remphan. And so just remember that too when you want to fly your Israeli flag with the star Remphan in your church. And just think about Moloch and sacrificing your kids. Uh, uh, I don't know why people have that kind of stuff in their church. It's absolutely wrong and wicked. But again, so every time we see them obeying God and destroying these cities, you know what we should see? Because this thing, you know, some, some people, they get all mad. I can't believe they killed everybody. Well, here's why. Because God saw what would happen if they didn't. And you know, what, you know what God saw in Israel if they didn't kill all these people? Them burning their children alive to an idol? God saw that kind of thing. God saw judgment that would come on that nation later anyway, where even more people would die, and then Israel also being judged, because that's exactly what God said would happen. Just as I thought to do unto them, I'm going to do it unto you too. So the thing is, them cleaning the land out, 
ultimately was going to save the lives of thousands and thousands and probably millions of people. It was going to stop all kinds of wickedness if they did that kind of thing. So that's what we should see. Every time we see them doing this, we should see lives being saved. Just like when we see a murderer being executed, we don't see a man being killed. We see lives being saved. Every time they put a, you know, if, if, if they would put a child molester down, or even if they lock up a child molester, you know what we're doing? We're preventing more children from being molested. That's why we do these things. People act like we're being cruel to that person. No, we're cruel to humanity when we do nothing to these people. And you know what? The old timers, they were able to see that. They understood where these things would lead and what would happen as a result of this type, kind of thing. God obviously saw all these things, but our nation today, we're so short-sighted. We don't look ahead for anything. And, and what do we do? And that's why, too, we're, one of the ways we're destroying our country, too, is all this multiculturalism stuff. You know what we're probably going to do right now? Start bringing a bunch more Muslims into our country. You know why? Because Islam has destroyed Afghanistan. And so what are we going to do? We're going to be all bleeding heart and we're going to let them all come in over here and bring their Islam with them, respect their Islam, and then we're going to start wondering why we're having problems over here. There's a reason these countries are a mess. Folks, the reason these countries are a mess is not because of climate change. It's not just because of poverty that they can't help. Their culture is bad. That's why they have these problems. That's why you're not seeing these successful you know, African nations. Their culture is bad. That's why you're not seeing these Muslim countries, that anybody that are fit to live in, their religions are wicked. And when we bring these things in, you know what's going to happen? Our people are going to learn those ways. And it's, it's going to destroy us. You want to know, and, and I've I got to be careful saying this, but you know what? I'm just going to say it. It's just a fact. One of the reasons, you know, the previous generations had a lot of problems with the black community is because they saw a lot of the cultural problems that they had and they didn't want it coming in the white community. Okay? Now, their response was wrong. Okay? Their thinking was wrong. It's not about a skin color. It's about a, it's about a culture. It's about values. And, you know, and unfortunately, you know, they just kind of had a irrational hate and, you know, they, uh, they didn't look at things the right way. But at the end of the day, they weren't completely wrong in some of the concerns that they had. Because like, if we're going to bring this culture into our culture, it's going to change our culture. And you know what? It did. It did. And we don't have, in America today, we don't have strong family values like we used to. It's you know, because we've mixed in bad cultures you know, with ours. And now our, now our, our American culture stinks. It, it really does. And let me tell you, it has nothing to do with skin color. It has everything to do with culture. It has everything to do with religion. And I don't care. The people can be 100% white. But you know what? If they're from some pagan culture and they bring it in, our, they're going to ruin us too. And so, uh, it, it, they, but the news media wants to tell you it's a skin color. You just have a problem with the skin color. No, we don't. It, it's a cultural problem. And we need to start calling these things out and we will never help any of these groups without changing their culture. You have to, you have to do that. We're wasting our time. We can't give them enough money. We can't give them enough welfare. Can't be done. Well, all we can do is we can give them the gospel, hope they get saved and hope they start living their life according to the Bible. And if they do, then they'll be fine. 
You know, they'll be fine at that point. They'll do just as good as any white family. But let me tell you, if a white family acts like, you know, some like, uh, you know, a pagan culture, if they act immoral, if they have no family values, we're going to stink too. And that's why we've got a lot of sorry, good for nothing, white trash on welfare, just that are leeches on society because it's not a skin color thing. It's a cultural thing. And you do, and you see these, you know, white dudes walking around drooping their pants, you know, looking like a gangbanger. And again, it, you know what it is? It's just proof once again, it's not a skin color thing. It's a culture thing. It's a culture thing. And let me tell you, you know, we had our problems, you know, in the 40s and 50s, but you know what? We had strong family values back then. We had some good morals back then. And so things were pretty good in this country. And mixing uh, bad cultures was bad. People used to think in America, if you come to America, you got to learn the American way. And unfortunately, we've gotten away from that. And no, we're all a melting pot of different cultures. And I get that. We've always had people from all over the country, but they also understood we were a Christian nation. And that was why we were great. And that's another subject for another day. But I said, obviously... You know, God does today. God doesn't want us as Christians, you know, moving out into a wilderness together. Sometimes it's like, you know, let's do it. Let's go ahead and build the commune and, you know, just get away from all the nut jobs that are out there. I, hey, I'm with you feeling that way sometimes, but you know, it's not right. We got to be a light in this world. We've got to live among them, but not be of them. I know, I know, I don't like it either, but it's what we got to do. You know, you know, we've got to be live among the world, but not be of the world. But, you know, we should. Be thankful for the things that we are ignorant about. You know, we should be thankful for that. And there are, there are many things we are better off not knowing. And, you know, unfortunately today we have a tree of knowledge of good and evil called the Internet right there where we can learn anything we want. Any abomination you want to know about, you can find out about it. But we've got to learn to have enough character and enough fear of God to just ignore these things before they corrupt our minds. And we are not destroying bad things like they were in that day. And man, we're going to continue suffering. We're going to continue going downhill. Folks, we know too much bad. We just know way too much bad. And so that's why God had them do these things. It was the right thing to do. It say, don't, don't see 12,000 people that died there. See millions who, whose lives were saved as a result of that. That's what happened that day. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for this uh, message, for this, this uh, passage of Scripture. I pray we'll learn the principles from it that we're supposed to learn. I pray you'll help us to be uh, simple concerning the evil, Lord. Help uh, the young people in here to uh, have a fear of you and enough character to just say no, Lord. I know it's easy to get curious about a lot of things that are out there, but just help them to uh, have the faith to understand that they're better off not knowing these things, that they will not bring them any kind of happiness. And I pray you'll help us to um, just stay on the right path. In your name we pray. Amen.